The Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello, and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Miles Danhausen Jr., writer and editor for the Peninsula Pulse, and I'm joined today by Deborah Fitzgerald, our editor here at the Pulse. Deb, thanks. Thank you, Miles. How you doing? <laughs> thanks for coming in when you are going nuts, getting multiple holiday issues out the door on short days and trying to get everybody time to go spend with their families, but also get our normal work done. So it's tough to find the time in these couple of weeks, but we wanted to talk about this week's issue and really like the topics of this week's issue, which is our annual year in review issue. Yes. Which was a ton of fun for you to put together. But but first you have to answer the question, how, how are you doing? <laughs> how am I doing? <laughs> because that question was lobbed out there and then just uh, went I, into I totally the ether. Missed it. I'm totally. doing fine. Okay, so I'm apparently a little delirious and uh, <laughs> paying attention. So. Right. It is that kind of thing. But I do just want to say that there should never be Christmas should never happen on Monday. <laughs> I just want to go on record to say that because it really does just make it a long weekend. And that's about it. So where would you prefer Christmas to be? Wednesday, because then we have to get the paper done by Friday. And so then we have all of that time. I remember when I first started here in 2020, we had the entire week off between Christmas and New Year's because of the way that Christmas fell. And I can't remember. I'm pretty sure it was Wednesday. Yeah, I think you're right. Like we loaded up on the like the Monday, Tuesday afterward and in the week beforehand. Yes. And just gave everybody else, everybody the week off. Yeah. I don't know that that's easier, but it, none of it's easy, though. There's no easier no, it's when, not. with these odd deadline days. Mm-hmm. And this is all internal baseball, <laughs> so don't work here. <laughs> I'm sorry if we're boring you to right, death with right. that. Right, right. There we go. But, um, yeah, it, like we view holidays differently because then we have to be beholden to what the post office can do and when they can deliver and when our company can deliver the papers from Madison to us for us to distribute. So there's our deadline for getting the paper done. But then there's also like, you got to add like two days after that for the paper to actually get out to everybody. Exactly. And if it were actually getting to everybody these days, which is another topic entirely. Well, what do you want to talk about that? About the mail issue? Note from last week's (laughs) Peninsula Pulse? Yeah. Well, we don't have to berate everybody for sending packages, but I mean, (laughs) for having packages delivered to their homes. But the part about It's really hard to get at this issue. We know that it's happening. We know that mail is not getting delivered. Most of the complaints are happening from Sturgeon Bay, at least into our office. And we have a big stake in this because our paper goes to every single mailbox in the entire county. Mm -hmm. So we're getting words of people. I mean, people are calling in and saying that they got the paper from two weeks ago yesterday. It never arrives on time. I've heard of stacks of pulses at the post office where they're just saying come in and pick them up because they know that they're not getting delivered. So the really frustrating part about this is that people are calling in and they're complaining and we know what's happening, but the post office will not answer inquiries. I have emailed them. I have tried to get different people locally to talk. They don't want to go on the record. I understand that more because it really does sound like This is an authoritarian company that 
really does not allow its employees to talk about practices. That is kind of what I'm getting. Which um, is not different than a lot of other larger companies, right? Like you don't let the people at the local level talk. Even say when I was reporting on Scandia Village, like nobody at Scandia Village could answer my questions. That was all routed through South Dakota to the parent company. And somewhat the same with the post office. And I'm not sure if I framed it entirely correctly, but what this issue is, is you wrote a column in last week's paper about all the reader feedback we get from people who are not getting the pulse delivered on time or at all in certain areas of the peninsula. And it's not something we can control. So we get all the complaints and it can be five to 10 a week, if not more. And that's been going on for quite some time Mm -hmm. of people having this problem. So we were trying to get at it. The Washington Post actually did a really great story about it related to um, post offices, I think, in the Minnesota area, rural post offices, who are being inundated with their new contract to deliver packages for Amazon. And it's putting local mail and smaller mail in the background and putting Amazon as a priority. It's a business decision by the post office, but it's leaving people maybe not getting paychecks on time, not getting checks sent on time, important information. Or in our case, people are not getting the paper and they're saying, I really wanted to go to this event, but I got the paper two days after it. Or two weeks after it in this case, right. Yes. And that is a, that's an excellent summary. And it's a really good point about the post office employees not wanting to talk. I guess the difference about the post office is that it's a service that we all have, Mm -hmm. that we all need and require. And it's a contracted service. And the federal government has a huge stake in that. So it makes it feel different, even though it's not different. It's something that we demand almost, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and it's a service that, that we really can't do without. And so I don't blame the local employees for not talking about it. I do blame the people who are able to talk about it, to not talk about it, and at least have some kind of automatic media response because this is not news and it's not just here. Mm-hmm. There is This is happening across the country. There is what I, what I learned, was able to learn just online because so many of the documents are public, that it is part of their 10-year American plan. And it's a huge transformation. They're really putting a lot of their future stake in package delivery. And so that's those Amazon contracts become much more important. They are reportedly their largest customer, and so they are prioritizing those things. So there's a lot of transformation going on, and it's big and widespread. It's not just us. So they should have some kind of media outreach team in place, yeah. you know, to be able to address these things and to say, look, this is the information that we need to get out to the public And this is happening right now, but this is where we're going, that kind of thing. So that's the frustrating part about it. My editorial was also kind of talking about the new trend in rural America, which never used to be a trend. In the cities, you're accustomed to ordering everything online. But in rural America, like us, you really, I mean, that is really behind the times in terms of doing that on a regular basis, getting your groceries, you know, getting Mm -hmm. things that you would just go to Main Street Market or The Pig or a grocery store in Sturgeon Bay, instead just ordering everything online. Yeah. That is a new trend. So as people 
more urbanized people move into rural areas, that's what they expect. And so they still are doing that. But our post offices are not at this time really set up for that or that kind of an influx. And nor are city post offices. The difference is in a city... Amazon is delivering those on their own. Yeah, there you in go. In their vans. Right. This is the and last mile. there are mile. small companies doing this and getting your groceries for you. Up here, the post office is getting inundated with this, and I sympathize with them. I've been there at the counter first thing in the morning when somebody comes up to a postal carrier going, where's my package? Where's my package? And that post office employee is saying, hey, we just opened the gate. The, the truck showed up late. I can't go fishing for your one package through the semi of Amazon packages. And then they're getting the vitriol from that customer. Mm -hmm. So it's adding to what we've long known is people are impatient at the post office and oftentimes not happy (laughs) when they go in there, right? right. And so now it's adding this other layer. So I have some sympathy for those postal workers. But in regards to the post office in general, the larger post office, the same thing happens. Sister Bay has been talking about moving their post office for 15 years. They've had bat around this idea of getting it off the waterfront and putting it somewhere else, whether that's a good idea or a bad idea is a different story. But the big thing is the post office doesn't communicate in that case. Mm. They have a lease. That post office leases from the village. So they are a tenant. The tenant wants to talk about where we go next. Do we build a new building? Do we put you somewhere else? There's not someone that can just be called and have a clear answer because that is not a local decision to be made. That's a higher up decision. And getting those people to have that conversation to even get that ball rolling is incredibly difficult. And hmm. that's another spot. And they have a pretty sweet lease. They pay $18,000 a year for that waterfront property. So you'd think a village could get that communication as well, and they can't. And what we saw in the Washington Post story is they also could not get quotes and direct information from the post office. So it's they not had, just us. Yeah. I mean, so really, if, you, if you're the Washington Post and you can't get them to respond either. I mean, I really didn't anticipate that somebody would get back with me on this, but you have to make those tries anyway. I mean, you have to attempt it. And it's almost like when you have to, I spent, I don't know how many, oh, probably about 45 minutes just trying to get a propane delivery the other day. And it's because the homeowners association switched in. So they didn't have me on automatic for some reason. I don't know why it is. So when your house was freezing and you were panicked? Well, you know. (laughs) I did that right after I moved into my house. (laughs) I I thought I was doing a good deed for a buddy six years ago. I'm like, yeah, you can stay in my house. I'm out of town. And about six hours later, he's like, you know, it's, it's really, it's pretty cold. I'm like, oh, just turn up the heat. And he's like, like really cold in here. Like, I don't know if your heat works. I'm like, crap, what did I buy? And it turned out I just hadn't paid attention to my tank. I'm not accustomed to paying attention to it because we have a monitor on it and it's automatic. But because we changed, they didn't have us on automatic. And I didn't know that. So suddenly they emailed me and said, hey, you're only 37%. Do you want to be there or do you want to order some propane? And I'm like... Well, why aren't you out there doing it? Anyway, <laughs> the long story short so of this that. Segue to- <laughs> yes, right. Is that it takes, it's almost like you never talk to anybody, of course, anymore. You never expect to. And that's why you never call anybody anymore. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to a situation like this, you own property within a village. Hey, we're actually completely redesigning our village. We need to know what it is that you want to do with a post office and you can't get an answer. I mean, that that's beyond frustrating. It's almost 
I mean, it's almost Kafka-esque. Yeah. It is, it's like the trial. I don't know if you've ever read that, but, <laughs> but I mean, it is just really a very, very frustrating situation. And in that case, you know, Emil Marx, the local postmaster in Sister Bay, he can give his take, but he's not the decision maker in that case when you're talking about a lease and no fault of him. He was actually very good to communicate it, but he's like, I don't make this call. Yeah, and, and they'll all tell you that, and that is fine. I, I think that probably it's just as mysterious to them what is happening, <laughs> honestly. I mean, what is happening at the higher levels. So the postal issue, I, I have found a person who's willing to go on the record, and then I think I've just extended another invitation to another person who has complained about something. So I am going to do another story just to get out there what people are telling us about their experiences with getting the mail. Because as we started this with, we have a big stake in this. And when we say that, we take for granted that people understand this, but like the post office doesn't deliver the pulse for free. This mm-hmm. is not us asking for this them to do this and complaining about them not doing so. There's a lot of money that we pay for the postage to get it delivered. And each year it goes up significantly. Significantly. So just like any other businesses, costs go up a lot. But mm-hmm. it's like they offer a service. We pay for that service. We respect that service. Right. Well All said. Right. Doesn't it open it up to a transition, but very well said. <laughs> With that, we're going to put a, a wrap on our post office discussion, and we're going to take a short break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about the year in news and the big stories that we saw in 2023. The Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kiwani counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org careers. Welcome back. So, Deb, we want to talk about the year in view issue that just came out or is coming out as people are listening to this. And not just like some of the stories that we recap, because every year we go back and we kind of try to pick a few stories from each issue that had staying power or were a big moment. It's just kind of fun to look through. I always love year in review issues, whether it be like I, I still have probably 10 years worth of Sports Illustrated's. <laughs> Sorry. And in boxes at home. And one of my favorite ones to stumble across once in a while, like every fourth year when I open up one of those boxes, is to look at those year in review issues or like the year in pictures. And you just, it brings back memories. It, and even as we do this annually, you got like, oh yeah, I forgot that happened in February. Or I forgot that person passed away. Or that was this year? That seems like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that. What to you stuck out as when you look at a whole year in total, What's the big story to you that resonates most? I think it was something that I didn't anticipate Hmm. because throughout the year, we're reporting on things that are happening in different municipalities. And in Sturgeon Bay, there is an awful lot of development going on, but it's one or two projects and I'm editing the stories. I, I understand what is happening. But then when I went back to collect all of the different development projects that are going on in Sturgeon Bay, I was shocked by the Hmm. number. That part of it was really interesting to me that that many projects were taking place at one time. And this doesn't even include 
all of the housing projects that I know had been hmm. started and approved the year before that. So we let's, let's try to walk through this. Yeah. <laughs> On top of your head, like what do you what are these when you try to put them all down in one spot? Okay, so the first one was not in the city of Sturgeon Bay, and that was in the village of Sister Bay, and that was a Shoals. So mm. that was the housing project the, there. The 45-unit affordable housing project. Right. But then after that, now Fleet Farm didn't start in 2023. It actually started at the end of 2022, but it started moving through committees yeah. at the beginning of this year. And then there was 19 duplexes for 55 and older residents and a single family home. That development is getting started on the north side of Colorado Street. There are the Crown Condominiums, which is a housing project that's going to add 30 housing units to the city. The Events Activity Center was just, they had the grand opening of that in the former Promita building on Egg Harbor Road. Oh, yeah. Um, Is that yeah. the Sandbox? Yes, or, the yeah. Sandbox, and I think it's the Gala Gala Sandbox. It's two different things, but it's just like one big, big space. And they had Helen Bacon, who is an alder person for the city of Sturgeon Bay, throwing an axe because they have axe throwing within there. I'm not saying... <laughs> I, I love the idea of Helen throwing an axe. Yes. So we should put this on yes. video. And that's what Kevin Beneski, who actually took those photos, he asked me, do you want the one with Helen throwing the axe? And I yes, said, <laughs> absolutely. And let's do some Photoshop. Who is she throwing it at? <laughs> right. And then the very next photo that he gave me to consider was a bar. And I thought, axe throwing and alcohol. What a great mixture. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, great. so there was that that opened up. And then there is the 62-room Cobblestone Hotel which is right on the corner there. So it's like right by that event center. And then the Dora County Historical Museum and Archives Facility, that has gained a ton of speed. Dora County Granary Project, of course, that is still ongoing, and now they have a, a new date by which they have to get that done. The Dora County YMCA Sturgeon Bay yeah. edition, massive yep. edition, was open. The new Quick Trip on the west side was open. And then the Starbucks in that threeplex was opened this year. So the Starbucks, oh, the Door yeah. County Medical Center, and the AT&T retail store. That is astonishing to me. Like when you are looking at it on a month-by-month -month basis or a week-by-week -week basis, it doesn't accumulate in that way. But there's way. even more. There's yeah? Muse. The event space on the corner of 3rd Avenue. There's oh, right. The redevelopment of Ace Hardware. Right. Rogue Theater, is that completed yet? I know it's been under construction. That is completed. I don't I don't know if it was completed this year or last year, but yes, that is and another one. Not the granary, but the other West Waterfront development that oh, they're right. still kind of so sh shuffling through. Like, And then there's Fincantieri. I think there's another proposed addition or something going on yes, there. Yes, there is. So The one wow. in, in Muse, and now you made, so in Muse, that Muse building we had in different sections, so I didn't even have it in this yeah, whole in the, development like list, but section, I yeah. completely even missed the other one that has been on hold and back and forth on that little the funky one property. Plaza, yes, like exactly. Be, and Fink and Thierry as well, so yes. Yeah, that is really stunning when you add that up, especially when you think of like how slow the county was developing for so long mm. and really for like a 20 year stretch. Mm -hmm. I mean, the West waterfront development plan kind of came out of the city in 2011, 2012 going, we got to spur something forward. And now it's just like every council meeting, it seems like something is getting shepherded yes. forward. 
either with incentives from the city or or the state. Right. You know, and, and that's a that's a ton. Right. <laughs> I hadn't thought of it. And there was that other one I for, and and it was in this list, but I just forgot it. And that is the fifty thousand square foot building in space for about five tenants that's going in the industrial park. Oh yeah, that's. So if we added the monetary value of all of this up, in addition to the financial incentives, because the majority of these are being developed in a tax increment financing district. So that has also been set up. So the city actually added three more TID districts this year, and we'll have a total of nine only because one did fall off. Well, it's really interesting that you mentioned that because I had not thought of it. If all of that or even a chunk of those had been in like one large development, we'd be like, well, that is a massive one. But they're in all these small chunks. And some of those are fairly large chunks. But you put them in totality and it's it's pretty massive. Right. And when you think about, for instance, a quick trip going into an area, that's normally huge news for a small community. And, you know, Sturgeon Bay to us is big because it's got 10,000 people. But really, it is a very small community. It's It's a Um, megalopolis. when, uh, When is quick trip opening their satellite location in their own parking lot. Is that coming soon? (laughs) No, but I think that they're going to put one on the south and north side of Sturgeon Bay. (laughs) Just in the canal. So you can figure a out canal where that, quick trip. You can figure out where that is because, you know, right now they're on the east and west side, even though it's the north and yeah. south side. So anyway, so that really stood out to me. So what, when you think back, like what stood out to you without... I mean, now that you mentioned that, I'm like, yeah, that's huge. Like we yeah. should, and you, I think you said this before, like we should do some way of adding this all up and, and yes. do a story on this. It's a good segue that. I was thinking one of the things that sticks out to me is somewhat related in in the fact that it's kind of development, but it's more like I think of it in commercial turnover. I think of how long businesses used to sit on the market and just never move. And you're like, yeah, that's for sale. And it's like, yeah, it's always been for sale. You know, it's sort of like not like yet has been for sale for a little while. Right. But again, this year, even as interest rates spiked and, and people think like everything topped out, Wickman House selling, Fresh Take 42 selling, Village View and Sister Bay I've heard is selling, uh, Ace Hardware I've heard is selling. Like There's still this appetite for people to come in and buy commercial properties in the county and turn them, Scandia Village sold. (laughs) Right. That's just a lot of continued turnover in in the restaurant world. And obviously like the Wickman news was really massive news in the community, especially around maybe more so a, in the restaurant world, but even more so in the visitor world of people up here. And maybe, I don't know if that is as big as news kind of like south of Fish Creek, but in Northern Door, that was just huge to think like they had a James Beard nomination this year. Which has never happened for any other restaurant, right? In Not in Door County and, yeah. and very few places outside of cities, yes. really. It's a really unique place. So then to have that go on the market in that same year and, you know, at some point I'll corral Mike Holmes to get on this podcast and talk about exactly why and what led to it. But I mean, I can guess restaurant stress is hard. Mm. And speaking of which I should shouldn't leave out, like we bought Bearded Hard. <laughs> Another right. We should point turnover. that out. Bearded Hard in Bailey's Harbor. So Dave and Miles, that's their newest venture with another some other partners. So that just opened this week. Yeah. It just last Wednesday or Thursday? And now it's called Roost and Banter. It's no longer the Bearded Heart. So it's open seven days a week, seven to seven, right? Uh, Seven to four. Oh, seven to four. And then seven to six on the weekends. Okay. Yeah, Roost and Banter, more 
basically a way of saying like sit and chat, <laughs> right. kind of like Lena's sip and chat, the old bar in Egg Harbor uh, way back in the day. But um, So that's another example of turnover. And yes, they're all recognizable, like Wild Tomato. Oh, another that one. That one is, yeah. yeah. That's so, huge news that that's going through. And that, it's not that has quite not sold, finalized, but yes. But they have gone through the process of transferring the liquor license stuff, right. which is usually a pretty good indication that things are going to go through. Exactly. Um, they usually do that contingent on the sale, but yeah, that's going to be right. sold as well. So some marquee names, some huge properties turning over. Right. The shore, is it the shoreline? Is that what it's called? So they're yeah. finally in that one. Yeah. So, I mean, that is huge. And whenever we write about or report about restaurants like that, and I think we did that story, I want to say a couple of months ago, they just all hit the market at one time. Yeah. And that was very popular. I mean, people yeah. really, really like reading about restaurants and the transfer of properties. Which also would bring us to Rowley's Bay Resort. And that was another one. Not just a property sale, but obviously the tragedy that happened before that. And you were you were up there for that whole yes. day and, and had a lot of conversation with Jewel about that whole, both the tragedy and the transformation that's going to maybe happen with that property. Right. And they are more, they are more traditional in terms of people... Uh, they didn't age out. I mean, it was a big fire. It was a huge tragedy. It destroyed uh, a good portion of that resort. And so when they're thinking about picking up the pieces again, you know, you have to think about how much longer you would actually be doing that. Yeah. So it sounds like it was a smart decision to sell at this time. So they were more aging out. They're closer to retirement age than, yeah. you know, a Mike Holmes. So it's not the traditional aging out even. It's just the selling of properties that have made their mark and brand in Door County, like they're Door County grown. Yeah. You know, Wild Tomato wasn't grown somewhere else, right? I mean, right. it started here. Wickman House started here. It's not like it's a franchise or... And the history of businesses up here is usually that once you start them, if you're successful, you just ride them to death. You know, <laughs> like Dan Peterson at the Viking was there 30, 40 years. Like JJ was 40 years before he sold the, to Salago and so many of these places, historically in Door County, you ride it out until you're ready to sell it as your retirement. So having some of these kind of sell in mid-maturity, like the Wickman House and, and Wild Tomato, that's like a different thing, I think. And maybe maybe that's always happened, but top of my head, I feel like it's it feels different to me. It is. It does feel different. And it, and it could be kind of like farmers. So farming is a lifestyle. Like you're not just a farmer some of the time. Yeah. Farming is a lifestyle. And that's kind of how I view people who own restaurants, own right. and operate. It's a lifestyle. So it's not yeah. like you have another life that is completely different that fits into that template. So that, to me, I think makes it more of a life decision as opposed to a career. Yeah. So that's why it is odd, like when a very successful restaurant does sell when the person isn't really ready to retire. So, I, I mean, that's, it, yeah. it's a new, but, you know, I mean, that is, I think that people who are under 40 or maybe even under 50 do have a different perspective on career and how that fits in with their life. I think that they watched the other generation, the older generation, 
just constantly driving at the career or driving at work or doing whatever. And they truly want to have more balance, you know? Right. And so people just don't stay as long in one thing. If they don't like it, they move on to something else. They, you know, want to try different things. They don't want to stay at one place their entire career. You know, I mean, it's yeah. just, it's just a very, I, I think it's a different philosophy and uh, of life, you know, I'm probably healthier. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, without a doubt, I would have to say that. So that definitely was one of the, and it is in our year in review in the business portion of it. In fact, it might even be in palette. It might be in two places <laughs> because we couldn't drive it home enough that this was, you know, kind of a, kind of a big issue that happened this year. But another thing that, and this is, you know, a small thing, but it's not, it's a big thing. The year of local government is what we called it when we had the candidacy filing period end in January of this year. And for the April elections, which is the elections for your village, town, city, people. And that was a huge outpouring of interest. There were several primary elections. There were several competitive contests. I mean, it was really very interesting. Everybody had enough people. Normally, they just struggle to put people on these boards. So it was a very exciting election in that regard. And there were younger people and lots of turnover. So it was, in that way, it was a big story. And then as part of that was the Sister Bay coin flip for village board president. (laughs) Or no, roll of the dice. They did roll of, yes, that was the one they chose. They could have done the coin, that's right, that's right, roll the dice. They had all of these things set up, and I still remember the picture because I took it and all of the different methods that they could select in order to choose the village president. And it was die, it was cards, it was, you know, so all of the chance draws that they could do. And it's by statute that they can do that. But Rob Zoschke and Nate Bell both got 246 votes, I want to say. <laughs> Exactly. And so they had to roll the die in order to learn. And Nate Bell got that. So that was one that we put in there just to remind people about things that show hope for the future, I guess. Yeah. That's how I would classify that. And there were a lot of fresh faces. Sister Bay ended up with, I think, majority woman board for the first time. A lot of younger faces on that board. And and you've seen that. That's been great to see. I think 10, 12 years ago, I think I wrote a story about how I think it was titled, like, Where Are the Women in Local Government? Oh, and interesting. It was at a time when I think the county board had 21 members and three were women. And most of the town boards were just predominantly male. This was just 10 years ago. And that has changed so much. Yes. And there's some ebb and flow to this. Obviously, one cycle can flip over the next cycle pretty quickly up here. But it has changed. And I think it actually has led to it, you know, changing faces and who sees themselves as leaders mm. and where they belong in the, their community, that change has led to, I think, different topics being broached at our local government levels. It can't um, help but do that, right? Yeah. You know, and when you bring different perspectives, you have different priorities. And I mean, that's what's so cool about it. It can be frustrating, but yeah. it's also very cool because suddenly somebody comes in who's just been elected and says, you know what? I don't understand why all of our garbage bins are green. Why can't we get white garbage? 
<laughs> you do have some of that sometimes. But no, you do have people who have a vision and it, it's different from what has been voiced before. So that's what's exciting about it. Mm-hmm. It is for us who cover it. Well, and one of those things that you see, and we'll probably see even more as boards change again, is like things like childcare are a bigger topic, even at the county level than they, they were in the past. And I think that might be part of a reflection of some younger people being involved and particularly younger women who are going through childcare struggles. So people get on a board and that's like top of mind for them. Whereas maybe for years and years and years, it was police and roads, police and roads. Yeah, <laughs> sure. And they'll figure it out. But I mean, speaking of childcare, there was another top story. I think it always has to be a top story because we do have two very large childcare centers in Door County. And well, one of them is getting larger. And so the top two childcare centers, one is getting larger and the other one is getting larger. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're both getting. You what? wrote about these. So tell us about what happened in the year in childcare. Well, I think of, I kind of think of this story in conjunction with another one. And that is in Sister Bay, one of the big stories of the year, Scandia Village going up for sale. And then all the speculation about what happens there. And Scandia Village is a retirement center with multiple levels of living, both like independent living, assisted living, a memory care facility. And that houses roughly 13% of the village's population and is the largest employer. Right. This is just an interesting aside on that as you're talking about it now. I remember what a huge and scary thing it was when we first learned that it was going to be put up for sale. And... It was uncertain. The future was uncertain. A group of citizens got together and really wanted to make sure that this didn't leave the community because of its importance. But all of that is collapsed in a year in review because we have the beginning and the end. But there were so many emotions. And if you can't age out in your own community, you know, in the place where you love, I mean, it's, it's just a really scary thing. And I thought of that as we were putting that part together is that none of that emotion is there. <laughs> like we can't convey that again. But you're right. Like that is fear. And that is somewhat similar to, so that fear of if this goes away, you know, people in Northern Door saying who've kind of counted on, well, at some point mom will go into scan or dad will go into scan and they'll be down the road to suddenly go, oh, they might be an hour away or two hours away. And that happened. My own aunt was in Scandia village in the independent living. And then for a little while, she thought like, all right, this means that I get to, you know, if I need to go into assisted living at some point, I do it at SCAN. Well, there was all this stuff happening last year where they were understaffed and suddenly she was sent to Kiwani and they said they had no room for her. Eventually she made her way back into SCAN, but like that stretch where she was, you know, an hour away from anybody she loved, that's exactly what that fear is for a lot of people in Northern Door County when SCAN happened. And the same thing happens with childcare facilities, right? So you have the growth in Northern Door Children's Center expanding, the new child development center almost opening, like the beginning of next year will be opening in Sturgeon Bay, but then you had Zion close, and you saw the panic, and you saw the, the fear, again, of people beginning of life caring for people, end of life caring for people, and these things that we take for granted that underpin so many other parts of our community. Like mm-hmm. as an employer, and if you have somebody who suddenly can't have childcare, you're going, uh, am I going to lose this employee? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right. like, or is their level of work going to suddenly be very sporadic because they can get childcare and not get childcare? I mean, I've had those scenarios happen for myself here. And luckily, I'm my boss. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, those things. And then people not knowing what they're going to do with their loved one as they get older 
is a tough one. And it really does impact all those caregivers and all those family members of that family. So those two stories, I kind of think of in, in similar terms. At the end of the year, there's good news. There's a new group looking to open another childcare facility in Sturgeon Bay in the old community development center. So as that one moves into a new space, there's an option and it looks like a pretty good solid base for another one to open there that doesn't replace Zion. So we don't know what happens in the middle of the county and that's still a problem because I wouldn't want to have to, I'm so lucky I drive two minutes to Mm -hmm. childcare. Some people are driving 20, 30, 40 minutes and that's, you don't want to be in that situation either. And then in Sister Bay, it looks like Scandia Village, it's been bought. There is a company that's supposed to take over potentially within the next month. And at least to my knowledge so far, I've actually talked to somebody from this company, which is more than I can say for Sanford Health and good Sam that previous, the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. So there are some encouraging signs there, but there's still a lot of unknowns about what their management structure is going to look like. Is this a is this kind of a venture capital play where you trim it down and, and flip it again? Who knows? And they talk a good talk. Your yeah. interview with a person that you spoke with, I mean, makes it sound like they're earnest. and, and They say all the right things. Yeah, but, they do. But who knows what practice looks like? Because that's what you get good at is talking the right talk if your business is, yeah, demolished. Yep. But we, <laughs> we won't say that. I mean, right now it looks... Fingers are crossed. Hopes are high. Yeah. And, have they figured out their staffing um, issue? Like, have they restaffed or I know that they were no, really what they, tight. What they told me was that one of their first things would be to reach out to people who had left and see why they left and also see if there was any way to entice them back. I'm guessing that's just from talking to those folks. People felt really good about their work at SCAN, the ones that I talked to who had left. But it's just, in many cases, they left and, and went to the hospital where they also feel really good. So getting them back for a company that they're not familiar with might be very tough. But that's one thing they mentioned. And just like everybody else, they have to f- figure out the housing situation. Sure. And they use a lot of traveling nurses and things now that, that doesn't create a culture. Mm. Right? So mm-hmm. we'll see how that goes. Right. One other thing that I think is happening Beneath the surface, no pun intended, for broadband. Um, oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that was another big story this year because all of Door County's municipalities, with the exception of Sturgeon Bay, which is considered served, and the exception of the village of Ephraim and the village of Forestville, are gearing up to be able to deliver high-speed broadband to every single one of their addresses. So this requires a lot of prep. It requires selecting internet service providers and going for grants and all all kinds of things. But everybody is really gearing up for that. And if you have broadband right now, then you don't know what I'm talking about. But I can tell you that there is not good options at my house. You live in one of the great communication black holes. (laughs) It's terrible. Maybe in the state. I know. It's awful. I mean, we are right below the bluff, and so we don't even get cell phone coverage. You know, it's really terrible. But we have a satellite provider right now for internet, but it is not fast enough for us to stream like or do anything really except for send email and work online. But so that is a huge thing that most of these municipalities have signed some kind of contract with an internet service provider. And for instance, in Sevastopol, in the town of Egg Harbor, it is AT&T 
so that's in my neck of the woods. I mean, so I'm really excited about that. It's still in the future, but it's happening. And yeah. so that's a that's a big story to always continue to follow in that regard. Are any of these, as we look ahead to 2024, are any of these towns looking like they will have their projects done or substantially done this year? Or is it more like a 25, 26? Yeah, a lot of them won't even be able to apply for the federal money, the federal bead money. That's what everybody is waiting for because there are no more state grants. The state did not refund because of the federal money that came down. And so those grants are not even supposed to be starting to be available until late next year. But Bailey's Harbor had already received its grants. A couple of others have now received a grant. Washington Island will probably finish its project. I don't know what their timeline is, but it could be next year. Bailey's Harbor, maybe. I don't know if they're that far along. I know that because they, I mean, they're burying cable now, uh, Mm -hmm. not the town, but their internet service provider partner is Bertram Communications, has been doing that for quite some time now. So, Maybe they would be, but we'll see what happens. And, and we'll be following that, I mean, because it's going to be an ongoing yeah. story always. Yeah, and I think Liberty Grove at one point, they were saying 2024, and I don't know. I don't think so, because I want to say that they went back out to, they sent out another RFP or kind of looking at that. I mean, because they had been, they had selected Insight, but then all of these legacy providers, well, like AT&T and Frontier, they started having interest in bidding on these projects. Their interest was so high that in the last round of grants, just a couple of months ago, they were submitting grants without even having the municipality as its partner. So, for instance, if the Village of Egg Harbor chose Frontier, AT&T was doing a grant to try and get something going with hmm. the village. So that is really, I'm not saying that that happened with them with that scenario, but it was happening around Dora County. So there were a couple of submitted grants like that, that they didn't anticipate, but that's in your opinion, away. which of those companies is going to flake? <laughs> well, I mean, you would hope, I hope it's not AT&T because that's where I have all of my other service because it's the only thing that I can get, but I don't know, bug tussle, <laughs> which already did yeah. kind of, you know, I mean, I, I hope these all go through. I feel pretty strongly that most of them will, but like, you know, historically, a lot of these providers, they come in and they talk a big game and then they find out, just like builders, how hard it is to do stuff in the Rock of Door County. And they think they've costed it out. And then it's just going to be interesting to see who comes back and either asks for more or yeah. says they can't do it. Or I would think it would not be a legacy company that already has copper in the ground which would be a frontier, you know, Mm. which would be an AT&T. I mean, they already know, like, what some of this stuff is. So I would hope it wouldn't be a company like that that already has an infrastructure. They already have experience. But we shall see what happens. One thing that towers above all else, (laughs) wait for it. Miles had a – did you have a late night last night? I did, yeah. This is like the third time you've yawned. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I know it's not because of what I'm talking about. What is it? <laughs> no, no. You have been very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I, I did stop at the game night on my way home from the office last night <laughs> at SIP. It was pretty packed and pretty funny. But I didn't actually have that late at night. I'm just old, so 1030 <laughs> is a late night. That is a very late night. Yeah, yeah. I was pretty fast asleep by then. So, Potawatomi Tower. Oh, yeah. So, what's... <laughs> 
what started. I mean, we started this year out with still a, a battle of what was going to happen with the tower. And then the governor decided to put $6.5 million in his budget for it and came up with this big, great helical ramp kind of thing. And so anyway, a couple of public information sessions later and more back and forths between this big, huge political football and the contract was let to repair it by the very engineering company and construction company, Wood Experts, that the Sturgeon Bay Historical Society Foundation had hired in 2018 to assess the tower. So the governor's administration brought him on board, gave him the contract, the emergency money that Governor Evers had put aside to stabilize the tower. And they did that. I talked with him last week. They pulled out on Monday. So I'll have a story coming up on that on what they found exactly. But they have stabilized that tower. And now they're supposed to be moving into the second phase, which would be to do whatever is required to open the tower. Now, I've only heard through the grapevine because I've not been able to confirm this with the DNR yet. I do have a couple of emails out to them now. But I'm hearing that they were going to be opening it in 2025. But talking with the engineer, I mean, he gave me a list of things that still need to be done. But So we'll see. But that's a remarkable difference in one year, given that it's been closed since 2017. And what do they think the price to do it will end up being? There is $500,000 in the budget right now because Representative Kitchens and Senator Jacques put it in there for the tower. So I don't know what it would cost simply because I don't know where the administration stands right now on what they think needs to happen in order to open it. So if they're still on this thing that an historic structure does need ADA accessibility, then who knows? Hmm. So it's not over yet, but it won't fall down. <laughs> and that was kind of the... And that's what they said right away. What the, This wood expert said that very blatantly. I wonder why, and you can't answer this, you could speculate, I'm sure, but like, just why wouldn't they take that? They just they just had it. Somebody in their mind had it that this just we just want to take it down. Okay, that's my speculation. So my speculation is that they had decided upon a course of action, and once they decided upon that course of action, for reasons that we don't really know, it could be because they don't want to maintain it. It could be because of liability reasons. You know, maybe they think that people are going to start jumping off of it or something. So for whatever strong reasons they had in their mind, they wanted to take it down. And I think that everybody was just mobilized toward that. So maybe one of the talking points was that, oh, we found some cracked wood. That means it's not stable. We need to take it down. So maybe that just led, I mean, anything that fed whatever outcome they wanted to achieve is kind of what their talking points became. So hmm. I think that they were just, this decision was made at a higher level. And then everybody else beneath that was just fed the talking points. And so they all believed it because they thought it was true mm -hmm. that this tower was just going to fall down. And yet it had really no basis in truth, except for that it fed the outcome that they wanted to yeah. have. So I think that's what happened. Like, I think that everybody just 
kind of believed it. And I think at one point, the governor was like, you know what, (laughs) can we just stabilize this thing just so we can continue to have this conversation? I mean, I think that that's what happened. I think he just went over the head of the Parks Department, like the DNR, and just said, you know what, this is what we're going to do. Maybe because it has become for a little tower such a big issue. Yeah. Considering one not 50 miles away that is almost the exact same thing was fixed within a year. Which one Washington that? Island. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So by the same engineering firm. Anyway, so we will find out in the very near future. I wonder what future. it was about the 2015 to 2019 climate that suddenly towers around the state became unstable. You're not going to go. You're not going to go there, are you? I mean... Somebody unleashed termites or something? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, they actually I mean, they did. were all fine, and then suddenly they were all unsafe in the same... I don't know. They did find carpenter ants in these towers. I thought you were going to pin it to a certain administration oh, that no. happened during that time. Okay, <laughs> so cause no, we don't I, have time for that. I, I, I don't think it was uh, administration. I just think, like, something happened where they were like, yeah, let's go through and be done with all these. I, you know, the theory is that there was actually, there was a policy that was developed to get rid of towers, that they were an expense that the administration no longer wanted to have. Mm. So, I mean, there is that theory, but I've never actually looked into it. But interestingly enough, there were carpenter ants found at Potawatomi Tower. Okay. So you Everyone may have just carpenters. started a new, <laughs> yeah, it was, an un, it, was, it was kind of like a natural weapon. Well, we are almost at an hour. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So those are the big top stories. Is there anything we didn't hit that you think also deserves mention? There is lots of stuff, but you'll need to read the paper. (laughs) Let's put it that way. Okay. Let's let's drive people to print. Yes. Deb, thanks for having this conversation. This was fun. And now we gave ourselves a bunch more stories to write because you brought up that whole Sturgeon Bay development thing. Which actually would be really interesting to look at. Yes. Because we can fall into that trap of doing all these one-offs without looking at the big picture. So today, we look at the big picture. Thanks for hopping on the podcast, and thanks to all of our listeners. We'll be back again next week. And uh, if you don't hear from us before then, have a great holiday. Happy holidays. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. This podcast is produced by Miles Danhausen Jr. and edited by Rachel Lucas. If you want to help us continue to create more great episodes just like this one, visit our website at doorcountypulse.com.